Today's reading is Acts chapter 12. About that time, King Herod reached out to harm some who belonged to the church. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And seeing that this pleased the Jews, Herod proceeded to seize Peter during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He arrested him and put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was fervently praying to God for him. On the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, with sentries standing guard at the entrance to the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed and put on your sandals, said the angel. Peter did so, and the angel told him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. So Peter followed him out, but he was unaware that what the angel was doing was real. He thought he was only seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city, which opened for them by itself. When they had gone outside and walked the length of one block, the angel suddenly left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. And when he had realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered together and were praying. He knocked at the outer gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she forgot to open the gate but ran inside and announced, Peter is standing at the gate. You are out of your mind, they told her. But when she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astounded. Peter motioned with his hand for silence. And he described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Send word to James and to the brothers, he said. And he left for another place. At daybreak, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had searched for him unsuccessfully, he examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent some time there. Now Herod was in a furious dispute with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they convened before him. Having secured the support of Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their region depended on the king's country for food. On the appointed day, Herod donned his royal robes, sat on his throne, and addressed the people. And they began to shout, This is the voice of a god, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give glory to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and multiply. When Barnabas and Saul had fulfilled their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, bringing with them John, also called Mark. This is God's word. Persecution by the religious leadership in Jerusalem started back in Acts chapter 7 with the stoning of Stephen. It continued in Acts 8 through Saul, but God saved him in Acts chapter 9. Here in Acts chapter 12, we were told that Herod, a Jewish political leader, joined in the persecution of the church. Herod began this persecution in a brutal way with the execution of James, as we saw in verses 1 and 2. There are a few guys in the New Testament named James. Another one of them is actually mentioned in verse 17. 
The James that Herod killed in verse 2 was the brother of John, which identifies him as one of the 12 apostles and the son of Zebedee. We could see that in Matthew 4.21 and in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. The religious leaders of Israel were happy that Herod had joined them in persecuting the church, as we saw in verse 3. So Herod arrested Simon Peter and intended to try him publicly, as we saw in verse 4. Because it was Passover season, Herod waited for Peter's trial and execution. And during that time of waiting, the church came together to pray for him. Verse 5 told us the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And God answered their prayers in a miraculous way by sending an angel to rescue Simon Peter, as we saw in verses 7 through 11. Yet when Peter showed up to the prayer meeting, people had a hard time believing that it really was him, that he'd really been freed, as we saw in verses 12 through 17. When I was taught this passage as a child in Sunday school, the teacher suggested that the church didn't really believe that God would answer their prayers, and that's why they were so startled to see Peter. But I'm not sure that's right. In fact, I'm pretty sure it is wrong. The fact that the church was earnestly praying for Peter, according to verse 5, suggests that God's people were doing the right thing, prayer, from sincere hearts. They wanted God to free Peter and believed that he would, if it was his will. That last part, if it was his will, is important. Verse 2 didn't tell us that anyone was praying for James to be freed. But it's hard to believe that they weren't praying for that. Yet God did not will to remove James from death as he did for Peter. I think the church was startled when Peter was released because of how God rescued him, not that God rescued him. I think the church was expecting a more providential release, meaning that God would change Herod's heart and Peter would be acquitted at his trial, which is referenced in verse 4, or he would just be outright released. Instead of that, though, God performed a miracle to release Peter, and the miracle was so startling and unexpected that even Peter himself was not prepared for it, as we saw in verses 6 through 11. The lesson here, then, is not that we should have more faith when we pray. That's always true. As fallen people, our faith could always be stronger and purer. The lesson instead is that we shouldn't set our hopes on the method by which God answers prayer. Part of praying in faith is submitting our prayers to God's will, both for the outcome and for the way in which God makes that outcome happen. Have you ever been surprised by how God answered your prayers? Maybe you made your prayer. Maybe he made your faith stronger through a trial in your life. Maybe he helped you get rid of a sin in your life by causing that sin to be exposed instead of making your desire for it go away suddenly. What have you been praying for these days? Is it possible that God is answering, but you just don't see it yet because you're looking for a different answer or a different way of it being answered? I hope you'll consider that as you think about your prayer life and how God might be working in your life in unexpected ways, just as he did for Peter and the early church. And if you found this devotional helpful, but you didn't come by it through your email, maybe you'd like to sign up to receive this daily in your email. If you would, go to dailypbj.com slash subscribe. Also, I could use some monthly financial support to help me with this work. If you'd like to do that, go to dailypbj.com slash support. Finally, consider sharing this with someone who might benefit from it. And I hope you have a great day. May God bless you.